0: Uh, At this time, I'd like you to take your Bible and turn to the book of James, please, James chapter 1, and let's stand together. I really enjoyed uh, Brother Willette and his messages, and uh, I'm excited to have uh, Brother Dave Delaney come tomorrow, uh, and he'll be preaching, and then Dr. David Gibbs uh, will preach for us on Monday, uh, president of the Christian Law Association, and uh, he called me yesterday and said, Do you have some time that I could discuss some matters with you on Monday? And uh, uh, normally when Brother Gibbs says that, either there's some legal thing or either there's uh, some, he wants to get me involved in something, or maybe he just wants to have dinner. I don't know, but I always take it seriously. And so uh, whenever he comes into town, he's always a blessing to us. And uh, I'm glad that we have some good preachers right here at the beginning. I want to bring a message to you this morning that, Uh, The Lord laid on my heart and I trust will be a help to you, if not today, sometime in the upcoming days. The message I've uh, chosen this morning and the passage God has placed on my heart here, James chapter 1, the message is entitled, Thriving Through Difficulty. Uh, There's uh, no doubt that the ministry is not getting easier, sometimes it's getting harder. And uh, sometimes even in Bible college you'll have challenges and it's good that you have a biblical philosophy of how to abound through challenging times. And I want you to notice this with me in James 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But... Let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the infallible, inerrant, and preserved Word of God. We ask as we study and preach from your Word today that you would give us what we need in order to live victoriously, in order to thrive through difficulty, and in order to glorify you in this semester, and I pray and ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, everyone has stress in their life, and uh, so far I hope this has been a fairly stress-free semester, but uh, that first quiz is coming, that first test is coming, that first bill is coming, and and, uh, every one of us are going to have times of stress in our life. I'm told that Americans consume about 50 million aspirin tablets every single day. Some people call this the age of Advil. I don't know if that's true or not, but people constantly uh, taking pills. Some people, sadly, getting involved in drugs or alcohol, trying to deal with their stress. But we're going to see this morning that God intends to use the stress to mature and to develop you in your life I'm told that a typical concert piano has over 240 strings and that when those strings are tightened it creates a pull of about 40,000 pounds on the frame Uh, it's hard for me to imagine that but you take some of these pianos and you tighten those strings like that and and uh, they're they're literally uh, right now that piano is under so much stress it needs some Advil over there just just pulled so tightly But we also understand that if those strings are not pulled to that extent, then there would be no beautiful music ever come from that piano. And I want you to know that every stressful situation that you will experience, even in Bible college, is designed of God so that your life can bring forth beautiful music for His glory. This is the purpose of God allowing difficulty, and stress into your life. God makes no mistakes. James is one of the first books written in the New Testament. It was written as a result of the scattering abroad of the church, the early church. We know in Acts uh, chapter 7 and 8 that a great persecution took place and the church was scattered abroad. And uh, we know that in Acts chapter 12, James, the brother of John, was uh, killed uh, by Herod. And in Acts chapter 15, we find James, uh, uh, the half-brother of our Lord Jesus, the pastor of the church of Jerusalem, and this is the human author of the book of James, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, giving to this dispersed church of the first century admonition because they were going through some stressful times. They were being persecuted. They were uh, many times uh, losing their jobs. They were oftentimes ridiculed because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and sometimes uh, when we have stressful times it's good to look to the cross of Jesus is it not and remember what he endured and sometimes it's good to remember that those that have gone before us have also paid a great price for their faith as I open the Word of God this morning I notice first of all that God has a heavenly purpose in difficulty he has a heavenly purpose in difficulty. In fact, in verse 1, the Bible tells us, uh, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse or different temptations. Now notice again the phrase here in verse 2, count or consider it is an accounting term. God wants us to look at this and, and to measure it and to think of it. Uh, he says in verse number three, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. God tells us uh, that we know why we have trials, that uh, the trying of our faith is going to work something within us. It's going to build us uh, spiritually. Now, Some of you maybe have been rescued from every little bit of stress, maybe by a mother, by a father, by uh, some other caring person, and that's wonderful. I try to help people to have less stress uh, as much as I possibly can, but I just know that in life that stress comes and that all of us are going to have days where uh, it seems like we can't get it all done and it seems like uh, there's uh, uh, more to do than we possibly ever thought. It is in those moments that we must always remember God has a heavenly purpose in this situation. Romans 8:28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to uh, His purpose. Now the Lord wants to use the stress to bring out our best. He wants to uh, show His superabundant grace through us during those times. Satan wants to bring out our worst. He wants us to complain, to get bitter, to get mad. He wants us to run, to hide, uh, to take more days off so that things will accumulate more and work will not get done. He he will give us all the wrong answers. He'll point people to drugs or alcohol. But God says for His people there is a heavenly purpose. And I want to share a, a few of those purposes with you this morning. The first one is the development of your faith. The development of your faith. The Bible says in verse three, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Here we see that God is using this trial to develop our faith. You are going to either go through life or grow through life, and God is going to use these temptations and trials to build our faith in verse 3 the word trying is the Greek word uh, dokimyan, which means proving God is going to test he's going to prove your faith now men a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted and if we faint in the day of adversity our faith is small and I'm here to tell you that if you can't trust God for a school bill You'll never lead a church to build a building of a million dollars. If you can't trust God uh, to help you through a relational difficulty uh, in college, you'll probably never help uh, to deal with multiple such problems in a church at a given time. God will bring you into these trials to prepare you and to build you, never to destroy you, but to build you and to use you for His glory. So the heavenly purpose is the development of your faith. It's good that you would take some time whenever you're going through some stress and say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me here? I think about sometimes students saying, oh man, I've got a final or I've I've got a paper uh, to write. And uh, I think about the fact, you know, I've got to write two or three every week. My average sermon is 22 pages long. I've got to have those ready every single week. You know what you're doing, students? God is preparing you. He's giving you now the discipline so that you'll be able in the future to continually serve Him and continually uh, succeed in ministry. So, the development of our faith. Then, secondly, is the display of our faith. God wants you and God wants me to display a working faith. The Bible says there in verse 3 knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Romans 5 and verse 3 says it this way. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations worketh patience. Now the word patience means endurance, and what it tells me is that when I'm going through it difficult time of transition or trial. And for some of you getting used to a dorm and going through the process of assimilating into college, that as you're getting used to change and as you're getting used to discomfort or sharing or whatever the case might be, God is working patience. He's working endurance in you. He's helping you now to get ready for the day that you step onto the mission field and nobody speaks your language and everybody wears a mask, whether it's COVID or not. And there's a million cars and you can't find your way, uh, to your apartment. God is preparing you now for another season. And because you're passing the test now, you're going to pass the test later. Many of you, Lord willing, will meet your life's mate at this college. And uh, in marriage, you're going to learn that there's a lot of sharing. There's a lot of uh, sharing space and closets and toothpaste and all the rest of it. And not that you need to share your uh, toothpaste with your roommate. Tell them to get their grimy hands off your toothpaste. (laughs) But the concept of sharing, the concept of learning how to get along with others, all of these things are designed by God. The Bible says in First Peter 1 and verse 7 that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I do not think sharing in the dorm is a trial of your faith necessarily. I think there are real trials of our faith. But God is telling us in 1 Peter 1, 7 that the purpose is for His honor and glory. And so there is a heavenly purpose in difficulty. And if you're the type that has to always run to mama when there's a problem or you never had uh, to face up, to the fires of this life. And if you run from the trials, you're going to find that you're going to never be used the way you could have been used for the glory of God. I'm telling you, God does not waste trials. And when the trials come, I want to encourage you, don't run. When the trial comes, remember, God, you must have a heavenly purpose in this. There must be something you want me to learn from this. I'm so thankful today for so many of our graduates that are serving on foreign fields and various places across America and they've learned uh, uh, how to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And so we must recognize there's a heavenly purpose. But then secondly, I want you to see this morning, and just as important, that there is a biblical process. A biblical process through difficulty. Now someone might say, okay Pastor Chapel, I understand that Uh, when I have a tough time at work or with a test or with a roommate, God has a reason for it. I get that. There's a heavenly purpose in mind. And I I believe that. But it's still hard what I'm going through right now. It's not easy sometimes uh, to face some of these things. And so let me share with you a biblical prescription for dealing with stress. What does the Bible say? Notice verse 4. But... Let patience have her perfect work. Let's read that together. Ready, begin. But let patience have her perfect work. One more time. But let patience have her perfect work. Now here we begin to see the process through difficulty. It is a biblical process. It is letter A, a process of surrender. A process of surrender. You will never have victory... If you rebel, fight, if you you go, I'm going to ask Brother getch. what he says about this. I didn't like that question, Uh, that answer. I'm going to ask Dr. Rasmussen. I'm going to ask my dad. I'm going to ask my mom. I'm going to ask my roommate. Until you finally get someone to agree with you, that's not what the Bible's telling you to do. It's telling us that there is a process that begins with surrender. Let Patience have her perfect, wor- uh, her perfect work. Let's all say the word let. Ready, begin. Let. That is to allow. That is, if you will, to trust. That is to say, I- I'm, gonna, I'm not going to fight this. I'm going to let God use this so that His perfect work may be done. Now, I cannot think of a greater example than the Lord Jesus Himself. I received a text this morning from four of our families that are in the Holy Land this morning. And maybe it's nighttime there, but they sent me a picture just a few minutes ago from the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane is perhaps one of the most moving places in all of the world to me. Maybe the most moving. As I have spent time there in prayer on several occasions, to think of what Jesus was experiencing just before he went to the cross to die for our sins. And to think about how he knelt in that garden and, and, he, and he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, what did he say? Say it with me, not, but thine be done. Now, it's not wrong to pray for your trials and your burdens, it's certainly something we should do. Even the Apostle Paul went to the Lord and he said, Lord, would you heal me from this situation? I, I, I have an infirmity. And, and, and certainly all of us would have thought, yes, Lord, heal the great Apostle Paul. But that's not what God did. And he said to the Apostle Paul, my grace is made perfect and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul then said, most gladly therefore will I glory in my infirmities. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine glorying in your difficulty, being happy about it? Paul said, I'm going to glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now do you want the power of Christ or do you want to complain about your roommate? Do you want the power of Christ or do you want to complain about your job? Do you want the power of Christ or are you going to quit when a trial comes? Paul said, literally, if having God's power and the fellowship of Jesus, if that is necessitated by having this infirmity in my flesh, I would rather have the infirmity and the power of God than no infirmity and no power of God. And I have found that nearly every great man and woman of God that has done a great work for God has had some challenge, some difficulty that many times no one else even knew about But because they kept trusting in the Lord and they let patience have its perfect work, God did a work through their life. Isn't it interesting in 1 Peter where the Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up? Sometimes God will bring you through a humbling experience. It might be a breakup in a relationship. It might be your boss telling you, you thought you were all that, but that's not how that's going to go ever again. It might be that you thought you should get a straight A and you got a C. And I mean, your mom always gave you A's when you were at home at home school. Your coach always let you start in your school with seven students on the basketball team. And suddenly things are a little bit different now. And suddenly you begin to, to realize wow. I, I'm going to have to grow. This is, this is a little bit different. And sometimes, to be honest with you, and I know sometimes when I was a freshman in college, it was just kind of humbling to realize, man, last year I was all that. I started on the basketball team. This year, I don't even know if I'll get on the basketball team. And it's di- during those times when you let patience have her perfect work. You say, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you during this. I don't know what people sing at camp anymore, but we used to sing that song. I just keep trusting my Lord as I walk along. I just keep trusting my Lord and He gives us song. Though the storm clouds darken the sky or the heavenly trail, I just keep trusting my Lord, He will never fail. When you hit something that's a stressor this week, when you hit something that didn't go the way you thought it should go, let patience have her perfect work. Now, this word let, it implies to us this morning a spirit of surrender. It is to surrender my will to God's will. God knew who your roommate would be. God knew who your teacher would be. God knows these things. God knew it would be 105 degrees yesterday. And we surrender our will to His will. In surrendering, let me give you a few thoughts. First, surrender your past to the Lord. Surrender your past to the Lord. First, Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now, students, let me tell you something. Don't ruin your future by living in your past. Be very careful, some of you, about coming here and, 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 and beginning to meet people that grew up maybe in a pastor's home or all this Christian school, and, boy, they've been in, they've been in church since they were 12 or, or, or 2, and you, were, you didn't go to church until you were 12, or you just got saved last year, and suddenly the devil starts to tell you, well, you know, you don't even belong here. You're not as good as these people. No, no. You surrender your past, and you recognize your sin is under the blood. You're a new creature. You're accepted in the beloved. You, you have as much of a place here as the guy that's the preacher's kid with straight, straight A's. And let me tell you, as a preacher's kid myself, we're not perfect. And the guy you think is so perfect, just keep watching. Let me tell you what, we're all sinners saved by the grace of God. You need to, you need to just let a patience have its perfect work. My wife is probably the most godly and wise lady I've ever known, and she grew up in a very difficult home, very abusive home. Her dad was an alcoholic. He did terrible things. He would get drunk and just act crazy. But you know, my wife has never shared the specifics with me. After 42 years of marriage, she said, you know, I just don't think that some things need to be always dredged up and talked about. I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to get all into some dredging up of things and and talking about your problems like that in the dormitory. Hey, leave the past in the past. It is under the blood. That's not you. You are in Jesus Christ. You are victorious. You are beautiful. You have a purpose. You have a plan. And just let God work in your life from this day forward. Surrender your past to him. Surrender your present to him. This very day, whatever it might be that is something that wasn't how you planned, just keep trusting the Lord. Hey, surrender your future to him. Let patience have her perfect work. God's going to direct some of you this year. He's going to guide you. He's going to call some of you to preach and some of you to missions. And He's going he's to work on your heart in these different ways. I just want you to remember that word. Let, let, let God have His way in your life. Learn how to give Him His way, not just when everything's going good. Someone says, well, I got an A on my test. My bill is paid. Susie Q winked at me this morning. Life is good. God, whatever you want from me, good. And what about when all of that reverses? Still let God have his way. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.14, Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin." Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I like that phrase that says he can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. God knows, the Lord Jesus knows the loneliness and the hurts of this life. Bring them to him and He will see you through. There's a process of surrender. And then secondly, there's a process of maturity. A lot of these trials simply are a part of growing up spiritually, a process of maturity. Now notice what it says there in verse 3, rather verse 4, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire. Now notice that. Phrase there, that ye may be perfect. Now we know that none of us are perfect. The word here is speaking of spiritual completeness or maturity. A process of maturity, growing in grace, 1 Peter five ten. But the God of all grace who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, listen to this, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. God says it's going to take some suffering, it's going to take sometimes some disappointment to teach you how to pray, to knock some of the pride off of some of you. Some some of the guys that maybe come into college going, hey, dude, what's going on, man? Did you see my wheels out there? Hey, what about the... And they're bragging about everything. Sometimes God will bring a trial into their life. Sometimes God will allow a hurt or a difficulty in our lives so that we will grow, so that we will mature, so that we'll learn, hey, it's not all of that that matters. It's glorifying God that really matters. And so there's a process that takes place in maturing. And so Paul is teaching us that there's a, there's a or James is teaching us there's a heavenly purpose in all of this. And that purpose is clearly seen that God uh, is at work in our life. There's a Purpose in this difficulty that he would work patience. There's a process in this difficulty that we would let patience have the perfect work. And then I want you to notice, thirdly, there's a revealed product through this difficulty. We see there's a there's a heavenly purpose, there's a biblical process of surrender, and thirdly, there's a revealed product through the difficulty. Now notice in verse 4 the Bible says. That ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Now, notice if you would, the first uh, part of this uh, product that is developing from the trials that we face is that we're going to learn how to ask God for wisdom you're going to learn how to pray. Trials will only reveal our need for wisdom. You know, every day of my life, there's something new that comes that I must have the wisdom of God for. I, I never I never knew some of the things that I would face in the ministry, trying to help people with their families, trying to help people uh, in various difficult situations and and building buildings, and and all of the different things that you face, and all of these have required that I come to the Lord and that I learn uh, in difficulty the necessity of asking Him for wisdom. Somewhere along the line, though we're always going to call and talk to pastors and parents and helpers and various ones, somewhere along the line, you're going to have to learn how to walk with God. And all of the trials of life are intended to get you to that place where you will seek Him and where you will ask Him for wisdom. Psalm 111.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments. His praise endureth forever. I remember Jessica Downey's accident. Jessica, her parents sit on the second row here every Sunday night. Jessica was a student here in the early years of the college. She pulled out, took a left turn, I don't know exactly what happened she was struck by a semi I'd led her father to the Lord she spent weeks and weeks and weeks in a coma the church was grieving I'd never pastored through something like that I remember begging God for her life begging God for wisdom I didn't always know exactly what to say to Brother Downey I remember one day at the hospital there in the little chapel I was praying with John for the healing of his daughter. We had prayed through the night that night. <clears throat> the neurosurgeon came and he said, Pastor, I need a moment with you. He said, uh, we, have, we have no hope for this, this young lady. He said, there's very little brain activity. I expect in the next moments there'll be none. He said, I, I need you to tell the Father that If they want to donate her organs to science, this would be the time now. I'd never had a class on that in Bible college. How to tell a father it's time to donate the organs of the daughter. I didn't didn't want to tell him that. I didn't know how to tell him that. I remember just kneeling back down by Brother Downey and just praying for wisdom. James 1.5. Lord, I don't know what to say. I don't think I should say that. I'm here trying to pray for her to be healed. And God, I need your help here. I don't know what to do. I I, I didn't pray that out loud. I didn't want Brother Downey to hear it. I didn't want him to know that his pastor didn't know what to do. But I'm telling you, I didn't know what to do. I don't know how long I prayed for wisdom. I don't know how long I prayed for her healing. But I'll never forget that day as long as I live. That doctor came in maybe 30 minutes later. He grabbed me out again. He said, "Pastor, don't say anything. Don't say anything about donating organs. Something's changed. We're seeing brain waves. We're, we're, we're thinking that there's a very small chance. But don't say anything yet about about uh, the need for the organs. By the way, Jessica Downey is our bus secretary today here at Lancaster Baptist Church. I'm just telling you there are so many times in life when you're going to need God's wisdom." And you're going to need to learn what it means to let patience have the perfect work and learn to be driven to your knees. Charles Spurgeon said, the doorstep to the temple of wisdom is a knowledge of our own ignorance. Just as soon as some of us get to the place of realizing we don't have all the answers, and as soon as we realize we've got to go to God for the answers, the better off we're going to be. We must ask for wisdom. Isaac Newton said, trials our medicines which our gracious and wise physician prescribes because we need them and he proportions the frequency and weight of them to what the case requires let us trust his skill and thank him for his prescription trust in the Lord with all thine heart lean not into thine own understanding look at some of you this morning don't start trying to second guess God am I where I'm supposed to be hey listen never doubt in the night what god gave you in the light just keep trusting the lord just recognize maybe he wants you to learn how to pray you didn't pray like you should in the 12th grade now you're going to learn how to pray you didn't pray last year as a sophomore now you're going to learn how to pray i love our theme this year trusting in the lord look at this psalm 56 3 at what time i am afraid i will trust in thee Oh, that we would learn to come and seek his wisdom. We'll ask for wisdom. By the way, when you ask for wisdom, you're going to receive it. Notice what it says in verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, this may be for a job, this may be for a relationship, this may be for many things. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, notice this, that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not or taketh it not away. Listen, God's going to give it to you. In my daily prayer list, there's several things that I pray for every day. There's two things I've prayed for nearly every day in 37 years as a pastor. One, to be filled with the Spirit of God. I don't know a lot, but I know that without His prompting and filling and moving, I cannot glorify Jesus Christ. The second thing I've prayed for every day is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. Which bill should I fight in Sacramento or should I fight at all? Should I have a meeting today with this one in the sheriff's department or, or no? Uh, should, I, should I go talk to that member who's been sitting more and more at the back and missing more and more church? Is this the time to go talk to him? Do I, do I give him a little more space or do I talk now? Uh, should, should, I, uh, should I confront... Uh, That family, I'm I'm burdened for their teenager. They think the teenager is just just perfect little uh, Susie Q, but but there's some real indications of trouble. Lord, when do when do I say what do I say? Lord, give me wisdom. Do I refinance the loan? Uh, I could get a blended loan at three point eight percent, or do I keep this one at four point whatever and this one at two point? Lord, is this the time? Do we build the building now? Lord, when should we build the dining for the college? That's what I'm praying for now and asking God for wisdom. And every day of my life, I need the wisdom of God. And every day of your life, you need the wisdom of God. And the the trials and the stress are things that bring you to a precious place of prayer. You'll ask God for wisdom, you'll receive wisdom, and you'll begin to grow spiritually. Look at verse 4. Let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I want to encourage you to keep your face to the Lord. Keep seeking the Lord. Keep trusting the Lord. Remember what it says in verse number 8. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Hey, Mom, today was a good day. I sure love college. It's great. Tomorrow, hey, Mom, you'll never believe what they said. We have to turn the lights out at so-and-so time. You know, next day... Mom, today was great. Uh, The wind didn't blow. Mom, today's terrible. I want to come home. The wind blew today. By the way, if you're afraid of the wind blowing, just learn how to ask for wisdom. Because it'll blow some. If every little trial is going to get you to question whether you're called into the ministry, somebody help me here. If every little trial is going to get you to question, am I in the right place? You're in the right place, but you might need to learn how to pray to stay in the right place you might need to come to that point of saying I'm going to let God I'm gonna let God I'm going to let God have His way. I'm going to pray and seek His face and seek wisdom. And I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to turn around. Look, at, if you're going to quit college, you're likely to quit the pastorate or quit the mission field or quit the ministry or quit whatever it is that God has for you to do. I want to encourage you instead of quitting, you trust God. Let God have His perfect work in you. Many of of you have heard the story of Horatio Horatio Spafford, the wealthy developer back in the 1860s who had grown under D.L. Moody's preaching and uh, was known for his love for the Lord. In 1873, after a busy season in construction, he sent his wife and four children to England. They were cruising along on the ship. He would follow them later. At mid-ocean, that ship, crashed with another ship. Rescuers found Mrs. Spafford clinging to a board. She wired back to her husband these words when she got to England. Saved alone. Saved alone. Mr. Spafford boarded a ship to meet his wife in England. One evening the captain of the ship came to him as he was traveling to, be, to meet his wife in He said, Mr. Spafford, to the best of our understanding, we are right now traveling over the spot where your daughters perished. He went to his cabin. He spent some time in prayer. And then Horatio Spafford, who had just lost his daughters at sea not many days before, wrote these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, say the rest with me, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. But there wasn't enough toilet paper in my dorm. But this teacher gave more work than I thought. But the weather. But God is going to bring you to a place Where all of these things are well with your soul, so that he can use you in a greater way in the days ahead. I want to encourage you in this very first week that you have a heavenly mindset, that you come to the place this week of saying, Lord, I'm just going to determine right now that when difficulty comes, there's a heavenly purpose for it. You're not making any mistakes. You have a purpose for it. And Lord, when difficulty comes, I'm going to follow your process. I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you have your way in my life. And Lord, when difficulty comes, I hope that there will be a revealed product in my life. I hope that I'll be asking you for wisdom, that I will not be double-minded, but that all through the trials I'll be seeking your face and seeking your face every step of the way. No one in Bible college taught me a lot about trials, to be honest with you. I think about this building right here. The budget went from 4.8 to 7.2 million dollars. It was quite a trial. I remember one day we came out and the men that were welding the steel, they were literally up on a crane welding steel, drunk. (laughs) I had to call their boss and get get them kicked off the job and get someone back up. It was no surprise when the inspector came, that they'd forgotten some major crossbeams. They just completely forgot them, and we had to tear the wall apart and put them back in. Building programs are challenging. I remember standing outside the building one day, and we'd put a little portico, a little little pop-off on the side of the building. We, we didn't build the West Wing right at first. We ran out of money, so we just put a little porch out there. And I remember a man coming up to me, and he said, you know what, Pastor? I'm getting tired of the waste of money around here. Like that little porch right there, that's just excess. It's not needed. I'm sick and tired of just seeing something like that. He was kind of being grumpy and, and grouchy. He said, in fact, you're not going to see me here around the church anymore. It's always a blessing when people quit the church right in a building program. By the way, people that complain about painting or building a little portico you know what I've learned normally never have tithed their issues not the little porch their issues they've been stealing from God and they're just they can't hardly stand seeing other people give sacrificially when they give nothing but I'm here to tell you you can't build an outhouse for Jesus and have someone not get mad people people struggle you go through times when There's pushback and heartbreak and resistance. No one told me that in Bible college. But I'm here to tell you that for every push and for every resistance, there's a tremendous blessing on the other side if you'll just keep trusting the Lord.